Welcome back everyone to the Local Wisdom Slog. Today is part two of streaming music versus the radio. I'm Chris Biskowski. We have Dan, Ganesh. What's up, Chris? Armando. What's up, Chris? And two special guests today. We have designer Justin Rossi. What's going on, man? And managing partner Panaki. What's going on, everybody? So if you recall, last time we touched on some differences between streaming music services such as Spotify, iHeartRadio, Pandora, iTunes Radio, and the differences between them and the radio. Today, we're going to touch on a couple of services we missed, iHeartRadio, and a little more into iTunes Radio. But the bulk of today's conversation is going to be on the cultural or generational shift between digital music and conventional music, such as CDs, 8-tracks, cassette tapes, and vinyl. So I think maybe we should kick things off with getting back to some of the uh, the lesser touched on topics like iTunes Radio. I think, Panaki, you used iTunes Radio extensively. What do you think of it? Yeah, yeah uh, I've been it? using it ever since. Actually, um, even before the latest iOS came out and they've announced uh, the the radio service, I was excited about it from the beginning. Um, as uh, I, I I've predominantly used Spotify to you know um, discover and find new music and create radio stations. Before that, I have used Pandora, and now you know I was excited to think that you know Apple is going to come out with their own in iTunes. And it's going to be like stellar and killer. And I was excited. Unfortunately, I was just a little bit let down where it felt where I thought what Apple was going to do was pull together some of like the best features of all of these other digital, uh, you know, streaming stations and basically do their Apple thing to it and make it that much better. What it seemed to come out was just the simplest forms of some of these like so you know you know even for a radio station pandora seems to be a little bit better as it allows me to further customize stations that i've created <clears throat> um spotify was better where i was i was able to just take um a song that's playing on the radio and add it to a playlist and uh you know overall the the, the ui and everything like that has, has just been fairly simple I like to the you know the Apple fanboy in me likes to think that it's they're going to do something and evolve it in the future. But simple little things I'd like to even see in the new iTunes is like you know if the song is playing now, allow me to just you know push a button and add it to a specific playlist because my my playlist is the number of songs I have in my iTunes is large and it's not only songs for me, it's songs for my kids and I I don't want that stuff to play all the time, so I need to create playlists on the go and, and that's. And I have a varied style of music from all types of different genres. And, and that's pretty much it. And I was excited for iTunes Radio is because what Spotify was missing is the ability to download and own my digital copy of the music, which is, which is important for me or growing important for me. I've kind of recently touched back into my DJing days and bought a, a digital set. And I can't, you know, use my Spotify playlists to play music and DJ them and stuff like that. So still looking out for, for the, the right way to discover music, buy music, and organize music really quickly. Uh, Apple's iTunes 
touches on some of that, but not on all of them and doesn't do it really well, which is unfortunate. I think we pretty much like agreed with you. Uh, from, right. from our limited use of uh, iTunes radio, I think everybody was kind of a little disappointed and thought it kind of fell flat on its face. And I agree with you, Panaki, about Spotify. I mean, I, I said it last week, I love Spotify. Mm-hmm. What kind of kids' music do you have on your in your iTunes roster? I do have the SpongeBob SquarePants um, soundtrack. I do have the Phineas and Ferb soundtrack. The Shark Boy <laughs> and the Lava Girl soundtrack, you know. So I. So currently, if you shuffle, you might go say from like Guns and Roses directly into yeah, SpongeBob exactly. SquarePants. Exactly. So and, and and you know, I it is it is it is sad. Although I do like some of the SpongeBob stuff. Well, the Campfire know, Song it, Song, yo. It does get addicting. You know, <laughs> hear it How important is the ownership of your music versus? It's convenience. That's a good. Question. That's 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 a tough one, right? Uh, so now, this to the yeah. whole floor, everyone. For me personally, I'll, I'll just speak and then like do it really quickly. It just really has to do with me kind of getting back into like wanting to try to DJ again, and I need to own the music in order to do that. So that's why it became important for me. Justin, I know you've been a big fan. You're a big music head from. Yeah, I mean, I can kind of speak to that from from being a DJ in my past and so forth. So, I mean, originally, you know, I I collected a lot of vinyl, so it was more about the hunt for me. And actually, you know, going to yard sales, going to the record shops, looking for some obscure vinyl and stuff like that. Um, You know, when the digital age kind of took off and the MP3 was big, it was all about, okay, now I can download MP3s. Let's amass this huge array of like 50,000, 60,000 songs, which I did at that time. Um, now that I'm not DJing as much, you know, there's no need to hold 50,000 songs on hard drives, not to mention categorize and organize them. Mm-hmm. Um, iTunes for me, uh, you know, some years back, it's like five years ago, four years ago, it couldn't hold 60,000 songs effectively. It just, it was slow, it didn't work properly, your, your list got messed up. Um, you know, now I, I don't really have a need to keep music unless I'm going to be DJing on vinyl. And then in that case, I'll actually go out and purchase the record, right? Um, I'm actually using SoundCloud now mostly for most of my music, and that's because it allows for more of a, um, you know, a, a social network only um, based on the music itself. It's not really about messaging. Um, there is commenting features, but it's really about the individual track and about the playlist that the user is sharing. Um, I think a really cool feature that you can actually see the, the song and where the beats lie, and visually you can see like the intros, the outros, and it's kind of cool, especially when you're slowing, like dance music, for instance. You know, mm-hmm. you can see where it's got, where the, the uptake is, and where it's actually going to break. And same goes for hip hop and stuff like that. And um, I find it's a great resource in terms of learning about new music because I can follow a particular person, I can follow um, a type of music or a type of genre of music, I can follow um, a person's playlist and stuff like that, and I'm consistently getting a new stream of music. Um, basically by the minute. If somebody reposts a song, I get to visualize that song. It gives me suggestions based upon that song. It kind of fulfills all my needs. And for lesser known artists or more obscure DJs and stuff like that, they actually offer the track for free download. So I can actually download the song right from that interface. And um, that's kind of what I've been using. So. Yeah, just to jump in on what you were saying, uh, yes, SoundCloud is great. I know I- I've used SoundCloud to promote music but not so much to find new music. So I think it's interesting that you were using SoundCloud to actually find new music. And mm-hmm. another thing that you mentioned was 
uh, in the old days of vinyl and even tapes, it was sort of about the hunt, looking for the music. Do you feel like it's kind of a similar experience with SoundCloud? Because it seems like you have to dig a little bit to find good and, stuff. And that's the cool thing. It's a hunt, but it's on. It's a different way of hunting, right? You're digitally hunting for, for music now. So I could be listening to an obscure future garage track um, with a particular type of beat, and you know it would recommend another artist that might have a sound that's similar in nature, and I'll click on that artist, and I'll find... A whole another subgenre of that original genre. So I'm kind of digging in a, in a different way, um, where I'm not physically looking at the vinyl covers, uh, where it was more about, you know, from being a designer, I was always into the, the actual look and feel of the album cover uh, or the CD art. So instead of looking at the art, and, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm more so like actually just listening off that, which with vinyl, you don't, you don't have that luxury, you know, unless you go there with a portable record player, which I've literally done back when and sat and put the vinyl, listen to it for, you know, 10 second, 15 second snippets and put it back in, I can really scan and find music much faster. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you guys are getting me into, uh, I need to look at SoundCloud too. Yeah, that sounds really cool. It's, it's pretty cool. Mm -hmm. It's pretty cool. But like I had, like I said, I never even thought about using it as a, a way of finding new music as much as just kind of promoting. Yeah, especially for the more obscure genres, you know, like uh, I'm into a lot of stuff that might be from Australia or the UK that's really not promoted here, you know, and I'm not going to hear on the radio. It's not going to be promoted if I go to the iTunes homepage. And as far as iTunes radio goes, their genre selection is slightly limited. You know, I go to Electronica. I'm not finding, for instance, Garage under there. I'm, yeah. I'm not getting some of the more obscure electronic music that I would like to hear um, that SoundCloud provides, right? So it's like you're no longer... The, the hunt is still there, but you're no longer tethered by a location. You don't have to go to a record store with a limited... Uh, you know, supply. You can your 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 selection is literally international at this point. Exactly. Yeah, across all genres. And I think you know one thing, and obviously this kind of goes into the second topic, is that SoundCloud is kind of like a microcosm of where technologically the streaming has gone. So it's a lot more social. It's a lot more in the cloud. It's a lot more you know digital and things like that. It's a lot more online. So. I think this. I think that's a, talk about SoundCloud is a good segue into you know the second topic of like what do you guys think about like the whole social aspect and the generational shift in terms of music in terms of you know the old day of having to go to the music store finding the CD or finding the tape and now today you can just I can just hit one button on the phone and I have the song you know well I can speak personally to this because. Most of the music that I discover is through friends. So uh, I, I'm a big Spotify user, and I'll find new music either by looking at the feed on the right or just by sharing. I, my inbox is getting, like, you know, flooded with new music all the time. So I think, like, the whole sharing aspect of it has definitely benefited me. The, otherwise, I don't think I would really have time to really, you know, scour and hunt like, you know, some people are doing. So, I mean, it helps when people are just sharing, and I could just see new stuff that I've never seen before on the feed. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and Spotify, I used, to, I used to basically hunt through uh, other people's playlists and pick out songs that uh, I do. I think I've been on all of yours, one way or another. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'm not Scavenging. on Spotify. Yeah. I just like that you can follow people, too. So right. if you like some yeah. of the stuff that someone's listening to, you can just follow them and you'll get all their updates or you'll get did, their playlists. Did you guys talk about Twitter music in the last one at all? No, we did oh, not. Man. Twitter music? Let's just forget I even brought it up. <laughs> <laughs> Part three. <laughs> Part three. Coming soon. I wasn't a big fan of that one either. I, I think digital and streaming music speaks a lot to our generation 
as as a whole because as technology grows as technology gets faster our patience gets lower so we need that immediate gratification we don't mm-hmm. want to have to drive someplace to purchase something and put it on a record player put it in a cassette player i don't know what kind of cars anybody else listening to this is driving my car does not have a cassette deck so if i can't buy it on vinyl or plug it in to an auxiliary port i'm not listening or a cd i'm not listening to the music and there's a lot of other ownership versus renting parallels that you know surface for our generation so you know a lot of my friends lease cars versus financing them and and, and owning them Uh, and then they get rid of them and they get a new one and then you know renting an apartment versus owning a house so what i think will be interesting in music um, is you know from an artist's standpoint how am i being impacted financially and, and, and economically. And over the long term, you know, I'm a, listeners are amassing these playlists and, you know, just track after track after track. How, how long am I going to be at the forefront since people aren't, as an artist, since people aren't physically holding my record, putting it on a player and, and listening to it? You know, they have to, sh- not, they have to shuffle through tracks now to to find me i may never come up if if a playlist I, yeah, is on you make it dan has some experience of producing I, music maybe he could speak to this I, I think you make a valid point so first of all i obviously i've been playing music for a while and writing music and making music and involved in the music scene the one thing i wanted to say that justin brought up before before i forget about it he was talking about the actual idea of, of holding the vinyl seeing the artwork having something tangible and i've heard a lot of people talk about books, for example, there's something different about the experience of actually holding the book and having something tangible in your hands. There's almost a sacredness about it, having that object in your hand. And I feel the same way about vinyl and tapes. I mean, when you when I used to buy tapes, you open up the tape, there's the smell of the ink, the smell of the, the plastic. There was something sure. about it. There was a full body experience with it. That being said, the whole the, the whole digital medium has opened me up to way more music than I've been able to, to experience before because I don't have to take the time to drive out and go look for it. I don't have to worry about spending gigantic amounts of money in order to find new music. I can go onto play, to Spotify and download something and just check it out, you know? And I think it's opening me up to, to, to more artists. So as far as revenue streams, yeah, they might be smaller. Like I said in the last slog my suspicion is that every time it's going to get to the point where you play a song from an artist they're going to get a a royalty for that just like it would be on the radio and i think another interesting effect of all this is rather than having these kind of like stamped out big corporate like generated artists that are kind of being jammed down our throat all the time it's going to be more organic and it's going to be more about the music and things that people actually like are going to show up and pop to the top now that being said there's that what you, if you if you search you, YouTube right now, there's some pretty ridiculous stuff that is like <laughs> popular. So there could be a backfire to that. But I think in the end, good music uh, is going to be more readily available to people, and it's not going to be as big money as it used to be. But it's it, there is going to be money, and it's going to there's going to be room for a real genuine artist to come up. Mm-hmm. So. Right. I think, I think, and it's also important to note that the revenue stream 
like the core revenue stream for an artist is mainly the live events. So like well, the, yeah, well, <laughs> now it's it, it always been though, right? Well, has, hasn't that always been the case, or no? Uh, I think that I think that record companies were more willing to dump more money into an artist if they thought they were going to get a higher return on the record because they make more money <laughs> off of the records than uh, the record. Well, that, that's a, that, yeah, that's yeah, because of production exactly. costs. It's cheaper. So it's, like a, it's cheaper to make the record than it is to put on live events, right? So well, no, it's because it's it's more because they're they're basically they're like a bank. They're just mm -hmm. lending all this money to go into the actual yeah, production. They're the investing album. in the artist. Exactly. Yeah. So that's where the artist gets most of their money, and then all the return goes to the record company mostly because they're making. Yeah. Yeah. So there was never much being made for the artist for the physical CD yeah. or the record or anything like thirty like that. cents off of a record. Yeah, it was something. It was something really small like that. Yeah, it's ridiculous. Yeah, but I, I think what you're saying kind of makes sense. Well, what's also happening is that it's becoming so much easier for an artist to record an album. Yeah, because back in the days you had to go into a studio and record this. Now you could do it in your home. You could with your with your with your computer. Yeah. And so, what is this? Mic. Yeah, exactly. With the, with a nice mic. Like, uh, <laughs> like yeah. I don't know if you guys are familiar with the Gorillas, Damon Albarn. He actually recorded an entire album on his iPad on tour. Yeah, you know. So, it's, I so, mean, it just shows that anybody can do it. Anyone can do it. So, what does that mean? There's going to be a lot more stuff out there. Yeah. You know what I mean? Just because you create an, a word processing software, there's going to be more written words out there. So, you know, it means that there's going to be more junk out there right absolutely so right. now the pressure <laughs> is and this kind of goes to what chris's point is earlier is the fact that our attention spans are really 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 short yeah so it's going to get a lot harder for some of these people that might actually be good artists to, to, to get noticed well, and then for them to get noticed and then for them to you know come to the that's, forefront well, that's what's so cool though yeah. about like soundcloud for instance or spotify right because music's kind of crowdsourced yeah. for you right mm -hmm. so you're seeing what your friends are listening to and if that you know song gets like a couple million plays, you're like, oh, I'm gonna play that because that has a couple million plays. This exactly. one has twenty. Why would I listen to this? Yeah. So it, it, it kind of does that for you, and I think in a way that's better than radio, right? Where they're shoving music down your throat, you know. And um, it, it goes back to the point that you were saying, I think, before Dan about artists and, and merchandise and stuff like that. If I really am into an artist and I'm organically finding them through like SoundCloud or something, I'm gonna be more likely to visit their website, right? If I go to their website and I see Oh, okay, cool. They are touring. I'm going to think about going to their live show because that's how I prefer to actually see artists, right? Live. And on top of that, I might not buy their digital uh, track because I can listen to it free on SoundCloud. But you know what? If they're offering another means of like producing that, that song, like let's say they do offer a cassette tape or they do offer a vinyl, and in that they throw in like a t shirt with that purchase, I might be inclined to go ahead and purchase that. And I've done that. I've bought like, you know, a vinyl record or a cassette tape. Um, to get a t-shirt and I think it's awesome, you know, for 20 bucks you get three items like who, you can't beat that right? Yeah. Instead of buying an album for 10 bucks that is intangible. Yeah, uh, and then you know furthermore like I do like listening to things on cassette for instance like I have a Cassette tape in my Audi. I plug in my iPod the cassette tape I prefer to listen to um, Some older hip-hop on a cassette because I kind of get that noise and it sounds a little it's bit a different more like vinyl. Yeah. It's a different it's sound polished. quality. It has yeah. a different exactly. Yeah. It's not as polished. Totally so understand. I, I think if anything, it's kind of helping the artist generate more revenue in the long term. Right. Yeah. And, and then it goes to the point that it seems like more that those types of mediums seem might be coming back. And one thing I've noticed that I hope becomes more popular is I know uh, Yasin Bey or most Def, as most people know, put out an album. And then inside the the cover art or the the, the 
the CD booklet, there was a code for a digital download mm-hmm. of the album. So you have a tangible physical copy, and then you can also have your convenient mm-hmm. on the go digital version of it, that, all that for the sense. same price. <clears throat> and I, I think it's a great idea. I would like to see more of it in the future because it's you know bringing back some of those older but now additional revenue streams without losing you know your your um, the attention of the current generation. Yeah, I don't think I would buy like a, a full album anymore. Only for the simple fact that it's very rare that a full album has every song that I like. Except for like Wu-Tang into the 36 Chambers or Go, something like Ghost that, Face right? Ghostface Killers, perfect example, the 12 Reasons Die album. Exactly. They released that, Adrian Young and him released that on cassette first. Mm-hmm. They also released it on vinyl and everything else. I can listen to that all the way through and like exactly. every single song. It, but it's rare, right? Yeah. So usually what I'll do is like I'll find my, my three songs of an album that I like and I'll buy those instead. And it's still cheaper than buying the full thing. Mm-hmm. I think yeah. that kind of speaks to like also the quality of artists as well. Like for instance, in, in underground hip hop, I know they're all about making a, a really solid album, you know, from start yes. to finish. Whereas opposed to um, a lot of the newer mainstream radio stuff, the templated it's all about stuff, the, you know, singles. The, the, yeah, the singles, the two tracks, whereas you're getting a, even. exactly yeah. getting an awesome body of work from a lot of these, uh, you know, grassroots artists, mm-hmm. and they are they are making money on merchandise and they are making money on touring and. They're able to compete and not be part of major labels that are only putting out those, you know, two songs and album type of, type of, uh, you know. And when that, when I think the quality, you know, diminishes, it's gonna, you know, cause people to not want to buy a full album. They're gonna just go, you know, buy mm-hmm. the one or two tracks. I yeah. And what, I mean, what do you think about the future? Where do you where do you think this is going? I think the trend is going to buying single songs. I think that the the day of the album is is slowly sunsetting. I think that eventually it's going to be an, a, ba- a band or a group or whoever puts out a track, sell you know, and they because I think it's gonna it's just gonna turn into a vessel for driving revenue through other means. Like you put the music out there, that's the draw that pulls you, and then you buy the t-shirts, you buy the stickers, you buy this. That being said, I'm the the guy who still enjoys buying the entire album because I really want to get the full experience of what that artist was at when they were. When they were writing this set of songs, even if mm-hmm. half the album's crappy, I just want to see the full view. But I don't think that I'm the majority there. I think that most people want to buy a single track. It depends on the genre, too. It does. Right? Like, yeah. EDM that, now is so huge with electronic dance music and everything. The people are buying one tracks. I think know, they're pushing know. the envelope, especially, and that's why I'm saying it. Because they very much seem to be focused on the single song. Like, each song is its own thing. It, they, it does, they don't seem tethered to an album. Mm-hmm. You know, like, I, I see more bands that are tethered to albums because that's their way they're meant mentalities but i don't see like a lot of electronic stuff in this new newer music it seems like they're it's about the song and not about the collection yeah, exactly and it's interesting because they're actually the largest paid performers now i mean you get residencies mm-hmm. in vegas they're making 30 40 million dollars a year you know Calvin yeah. harris has a residency i think he pulled them like 30 million dollars a year you know it's crazy i i don't think though like the physical uh, is going to come back as strong although I love the physical, you know, in, in certain scenarios where I really am a true, true fan of said artist, whatever. I will get the physical. I will get the merchandise and everything like that. But just looking at kids right now, they don't know what a cassette tape is or how to use it. They don't know what a record is. <laughs> they don't know the pencil trick. Yeah, they don't know the pencil trick. Yeah, the pencil trick. Like like my my um my son who's six, like the neighbors gave him like a, an, uh, an audio book and a cassette. 
And I was like, oh, man, I have to have a cassette player. So I brought mine from downstairs. I plugged it in. And he put the cassette in, pushed it down, and said, which button do I press? I said, you push the play button. He pushed the play button and then looked at the TV. <laughs> you know? <laughs> they just don't know what this is. They're not going to wait to rewind. They're not going to wait to forward. They they don't have, I think, mental, the physical dexterity That's to, like, very to pinpoint down into the grooves and stuff like that. Point. So you got to think of the next generation of kids that are coming up. That's a very interesting point. And I think we're going to need to, in the blog post, put a diagram of the, the pencil technique so that some people <laughs> yeah. will understand what the heck we're talking about. Now. I mean, oh, yeah. I find myself in the same position sometimes. I'm, like, on the radio, and I'm, like, so impatient. I'm, like, flip, you know, flipping through all the stations to find something that I like. Like, I can't just listen, and, you know, maybe something else will come on afterwards. I'm, like, going up and down, up and down the tracks. Yeah. Do you guys find yourself doing that? I, um, I, uh, I don't want to, you know, change. I mean, because I'm less I feel patient. Like it's I've definitely become change. less patient. But I, f- I find myself changing as well. Yeah, but like even it. even back in the days, right, when you did have to buy a CD and an album, what did you do really like for the, unless you were like, again, a true, true fan of, right. of the artist, you listen to like the first five seconds of the song, next, first five seconds, next, all right, I like this song. That's you know what I mean? the track you heard on the radio. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Listen to that a bunch of times. That's different, yeah. You know, um, one thing I want to touch on real quick, and we're uh, we're getting a little long-winded, But you had mentioned how, you know, even with books, how great it is to actually hold a a physical, tangible representation of something. If you go out and you buy a vinyl or you buy a CD or you buy a cassette tape from an artist and you're, you know, you're flipping through the pages, do you find you have a higher respect or enjoy or like that artist more than if you just saw the the cover art on Spotify or or SoundCloud or some of these other digital digital sources. Like, do you find yourself um, understanding the artist a little bit more? When it changes. When I know personally, it changes my perception of the music a little bit. I'm you know mm-hmm. I'm a very visual person. Uh, when you have album art. And there's a lot of it. There's more information there. When you're just on Spotify, you see the cover, which, I mean, is enough. I mean, you really, when it comes down to it, it's about the music. Mm-hmm. But there is, it does have some influence over me. It does change my perception of the music. And like I said, more and more now that that having that tangible becomes more of this kind of like sacred thing, like you're holding like a relic in your hand, mm-hmm. you know? And I think it makes it a more personal connection. But I don't think it's as necessary as um, maybe making it sound by using the word sacred. Well, I, I honestly feel like the artists of today won't have the same uh, type of like, uh, they won't stick with us the way that, you know, artists of the past did. Because we had all these other pieces like, the you know, album art and uh, videos were, you know, taken seriously. I feel like the visual aspect of it always enhances the artist and it's going to keep us, keep it in our memory. We have all these tracks that come out and we kind of, you know, shuffle through them. But none of them are actually going to stick. Yeah, you, you know, being being from like a, from like an older person standpoint here, it's like they say that the music that you listen to and got into pretty much in your kind of high school college years is the music that's going to stick with you and you're yeah. going to end up enjoying. So as trends and music's change, that has another you know uh, uh, part to play in as well. That's why all this retro stuff starts coming out as well. I think for like as far as the physical. Uh, to talk about like a comment that came on on Armando's blog post uh, a few days ago. There's somebody wrote that there's basically three issues at work that when when you actually 
prefer the the physical uh, over the digital. And one is the the perception of scarcity. Like they're going to only they're only going to make certain number of albums here, and at some point, you you're not going to be able to find this. Uh, the second is the senses. Like you talked about that, the smell of it, the 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 smell of the ink, the physically holding something, and you're engaging, you know, tactile, sight, smell, all of those things beyond just what you're listening to. And, and the third is, is, is love, is what he said. It's like, you know, you create this fondness and this love of music or that artist. That's when you become like the true fan. So I think like the physical stuff comes in after you're a fan. Because you in this day and age, you can access digital music so easily. You could try it, test it. And then buy it. So that like a freemium model that we're seeing everywhere is also coming across the music industry. Excellent. Um, all right. Well, that's gonna that's gonna conclude part two of streaming music versus the radio. Hope uh, hope everybody enjoyed the conversation today. I'd like to thank Panaki and Justin for sitting with us this week. Yeah. Thank you guys for having me on. Thanks, guys. Everybody, be sure to comment on the blog. Again, like us on Facebook, follow us on Instagram, follow us on Twitter, and keep an eye out for uh, Twitter music on the blog in the future. <laughs> or not. <laughs> <laughs> Who knows? <laughs> <laughs>